seated. This morning, again, we are looking at a text in the Gospel according to Mark that we looked at last week and we will again look at next week. You should be very familiar with Mark 10 by the time we look at these uh, passages three times. The thought comes to my mind this morning, if the shoe fits, wear it. (laughs) I have no idea where that came from. Uh, Buster Brown, perhaps, but uh, <laughs> now that's, that was way earlier than a lot of your times. But, um, but um, actually, that should ring in our minds every time we open the scriptures and read the stories of people from generation to generation through the pages of the Old Testament and then on into the New Testament. So many people... God deals with, Christ meets and speaks to, uh, heals, teaches. And in each of those encounters between God and individuals, we should always say, do they represent me? Am I, sh- should I put myself in their shoes? In almost all of them, we should be able to do that in one way or another. This morning, uh, we will be looking at the man who is known as the rich, young ruler. And I put up a photo last week, a a painting by uh, Heinrich Hoffman, titled that, Christ and the Rich Young Ruler. And uh, Hoffman really took a look at that story and uh, I, I want you to keep this picture in mind. Jesus is speaking, and my guess is he is delivering the news to this young man that causes him grief. And he is looking away. Uh, one of the things that Hoffman may have missed was the fact that this young man came up and knelt before Jesus. So we're going to read that story again, and uh, I invite you to uh, first join me in prayer as we ask God to help us understand what he has caused to be written. Lord, we do turn to you when we open your word. You are the author, the creator of all that exists. You are the author of life and the author of your words to us. You even came in the flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. We need you to help us understand what you have spoken to us. You used all the forms of speech that we do, but sometimes on the page we don't quite get it until we've looked at it a number of times. Help us to understand these words to that man and see how they apply in each of our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, the sermon text is Mark 10, verses 17 through 27. Last week, I cut it off at 21. 
But the story continues on through 27. And you'll see why it ended one place and yet then picked up and continued this morning. Let us listen to God's word for us now. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. End of Jesus quoting the commandments. He, the young man, said to him, Teacher, I have kept all of these since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go sell all you own. Give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were perplexed at these words. But Jesus said to them again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astounded and said to one another, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible, but not for God. For God all things are possible. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God for his word. Even when it's a bit puzzling to us too. I put up a picture now of a man named John Carpenter. Uh, This photo was taken on November 19th, 1999. And John was uh, the first person to answer the million-dollar question correctly on who wants to be a millionaire. Uh, I'm not sure there's still reruns of that, but Regis Philbus was the most famous host, but a couple of others hosted it, and many tried their hand to work their way up to the million-dollar question. The question he was asked was which of these U.S. presidents appeared on Laugh-In which was another TV show. Um, 
George Washington was not one of the choices, uh, nor was Lincoln. But they named, I think they named up there, you could see. He, he had the choice between Lyndon Johnson, Jimmy Carter, Richard Nixon, and Gerald Ford. And uh, so he correctly identified Richard Nixon, um, who might be the last person you would think would be on Laugh-In, and maybe that was one of the ironies of it. But he won the million-dollar question. So my question is, if that little question was worth a million dollars, what is it worth to know the answer to the question of the rich young ruler? What is it worth to know the answer to that question? Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Leave that up for a minute. Put a value on eternal life. You're already doing it one way or another. You have been. As early as you ever heard of the concept of life after death that would last forever. You have been putting some value or another on it. Um, what is that worth? You know, maybe that depends on what each of us or anyone thinks that life forever will be like. If our impression is sitting on a cloud playing a harp, most of us have already dismissed that as really exciting to look forward to. Maybe, maybe not Beth. She, she, she'd be great with that. <laughs> but... Um, you know, a person who is living in misery here may not be able to even fathom, comprehend what it could be like not to live in misery. And they may not even want to continue life here, and some don't, much less want to live forever. But the rich young ruler life was so terrific that his only worry was having his fortune-filled life ending in death. He was a greedy little man, a greedy young man. He had everything, many possessions, and he wanted more. This young man, though, was only interested in himself. It is important how he asks his question. He does not say, good teacher, what must we do to inherit eternal life? He is always centered on I. What must I do to inherit eternal life? I tell you again and again, pay attention to the smallest of words in the scriptures. He is so focused on himself. Last week we saw that Jesus answered the young man's question first with a question back to him. And Jesus said, why do you call me good? Only God is good. Jesus was asking the young man, I believe, 
If I am as good as you say, and you know that only God is good, who am I? Who do you think you are talking to? The rich young man was not the first non-disciple to praise Jesus. A man named Nicodemus did that too and said no one could do the things that you do unless God was in him some way. Jesus then began to answer the young man's question by reminding him of the commandments of God that were given through Moses to the children of Israel during their exodus out of bondage in Egypt and on their way to the promised land. And God makes a great covenant with them of how he will bless them. A covenant similar to the covenant he made with their forefather Abraham 400 years before. And in this covenant, God says, I will do all this for you. Here is what I call, how I call you to live. And Jesus uh, names those commandments again. He says, you know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And then the man said, teacher, I've kept all those since I was a little kid. We are familiar with the Ten Commandments, I hope. I don't know if you could sit down any given moment and simply write out the Ten Commandments. Hopefully, you recognize them, and if you do, I trust that you recognize that Jesus only gave the last six, and he even added one. Do not defraud, which is similar to stealing, but being the author of the commandments to begin with, he can add as many as he wants. (laughs) But recognize that Jesus only spoke out the the last six of the commandments. What did he leave out? He left out the first four. The rich young ruler, though, was quick and a little cocky to answer. Bingo, I'm a winner. I've kept all those. uh, Sounds like the answer is going to be good. (laughs) Of course, he had uh, excitement uh, because those were all laws about not harming people. They're all expressed in the negative. Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this to cause harm to others. And this young man knew what he must do to inherit his father's wealth. So he was a very careful young man to never embarrass his father, to please his father, and to have good relationships with people Never to have his name in the paper for landing in jail, defrauding people, 
uh, stealing. He learned what would be pleasing to his earthly father who had that wealth and he put his eyes on that wealth and said, that will be mine if I am pleasing to my earthly father. And so he did behave himself and not cause his father embarrassment. Unfortunately for this young man, those laws stated in a negative way, do not do this, do not do this, are also phrased in a positive way. Do you know where that is found? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. If Jesus had put those Ten Commandments in that positive way, that might have caused that young ruler pause. So when the young man said, I have kept all those from my youth, Jesus lowered the boom. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, you lack one thing. Go, sell what you own, and immediately, what was perhaps enthusiasm on his part, I think I got this made, suddenly goes south. Go, sell all that you own, give it to the poor, you will have riches in heaven, come and follow me. When he heard this, the text says he was shocked. He was blindsided. He had no idea. And he went away, literally, got up and walked away in grief. For he had many possessions. Jesus spoke the truth to him in love, as Jesus tells us to do in Ephesians 4.13, speaking the truth in love, grow up in every way. In one sentence, Jesus tells the young man what he must do to inherit eternal life. Boom, boom, boom. Jesus knows that the man is in the tight grip of all of his possessions. So he tells the young man how to keep all ten of the commandments, beginning with the first and most important. Jesus covered the law of God in both its negative prohibitions and its positive commands. Sell, give, follow. In that little prescription, Jesus identified who he had given his life to, what was his God in life, which were his possessions, and how that was a violation of the very first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Sell, give, and follow me. Jesus offered him the opportunity to get right 
with putting God in God's place. And he could only say, follow me, after, at the beginning, giving the guy the little mathematical thing, add up two and two, you see I am good, only God is good, you better figure out I am God in human form. This is your opportunity to get your life straight. Give up what you are sold out to and sell your life out to me. Follow me. The young man was devastated, went away grieving, and the reason he did was because he believed Jesus was good wise, smart, the one who could answer this question. He did not dismiss Jesus as a kook and say, ah, that guy, I thought he was good, but he's not, he's nothing. No, his grief reveals to us that Jesus struck home with the truth and it, it devastated him. Oh, Hopefully, maybe in the future, that guy got the picture and put it all together. But he was stuck on his wealth more than loving God. So he walks away, and that's where we ended it last week. But this week, we add the rest of the story here. This is not, the story does not stop with him walking away. I remind you again, then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were perplexed. So Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God, period. But it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astounded and said to one another, who can be saved? Note that they transferred the sentence, inherit eternal life, to being saved. For being saved is being saved from not inheriting eternal life. Being, being lost, not not entering in to the love of God and love with those who have learned to love God for the rest of time. Do you know how God made eternal life possible? If it is impossible for us, and it is, to do what it takes to inherit eternal life, keep all of the commandments, both in their negative way to do no harm and in their positive way to love others as much as we love ourselves. The scriptures say from Old to New Testaments, there are none righteous. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. None of us can earn have earned, deserve, will be given on the basis of our goodness, our efforts, our lives, eternal life. 
we cannot pay for the damage we have done. We're even oblivious as to the depth of that. And it is the death of Christ on the cross, the Son of God, that should be a clue to all of us how deep is our disobedience to God, how oblivious we are. But in that death on the cross, God makes eternal life a gift. How ironic. The man wanted to inherit eternal life, have it a gift to him, but he thought he had to do something for it. It wasn't how he could behave. The only thing he could do and the only thing we can do is to follow Jesus. That is another expression for simply saying, trust Christ. Trust ourselves to him. No matter what the condition of our life, we cannot clean it up. We cannot put lipstick on the pig. God accepts us as we are, clearly tells us again and again through Scripture, it is only by His grace and our trusting Him that He gives us gloriously life forever, beginning now and beginning with a transformation that occurs in our lives so that though we could not keep the commandments in order to earn heaven, with the presence of the Spirit of Christ in us now, we are enabled to start fulfilling all of those commandments. Loving God with all our hearts, loving one another as we love ourselves. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus our Lord. A famous missionary into South America once wrote, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Paul wrote to the Corinthians in his second letter, That which is seen is temporary. That which is unseen is permanent. That's the good news of the gospel. I invite you to think about that as we listen to Bev play our offertory. As we think about standing ourselves in the shoes of that rich young ruler and seeing what else has a capture on our lives instead of God. And receiving again and more deeply than ever the grace of God in Christ Jesus.